Welcome to ASRS's Journal of Vitreoretinal Diseases Authors Forum. I'm your host, Dr. Timothy Murray, Editor-in-Chief of JVRD. On each episode of the JVRD Authors Forum, I will interview innovative retinal researchers on their studies featured only in JVRD and how these studies will impact our patients' care in our clinics. Tune in to hear directly from investigators about the clinical implications of the newest and highest quality research in the field of retina. Hello, I'd like to welcome Dr. Andre Witkin, Associate Professor at Tufts University and Chairman of the ASRS REST Committee to speak to us about the recent REST presentation in the January-February JVRD issue on retinal vasculitis associated with intravitreal injection of pegcitocoplan. Welcome, Andre. Thanks very much, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. So this has really been a a hot topic for for you and the REST Committee and really for all of our colleagues. Could you give me a a brief overview of the the presentation and and how that came to be? Uh, Yes, absolutely. So in February of 2023, uh, Pegcita was approved for treatment of dry AMD. Um, and after approval, the ASRS started receiving adverse event reports um, from that drug. As you know, the ASRS has a mechanism by which adverse events can be reported to the ASRS. And uh, there's a the REST committee, a safety committee that analyzes those reports. And um, so we first started uh, hearing reports in around April 2023 of intraocular inflammation from the drug. And then starting in July, as most people know by now, um, we started receiving reports of retinal vasculitis associated with the drug. So the goal of uh, this report was to analyze those reports um, to uh, be fair and uh careful we wanted to make sure that all the imaging was analyzed uh, very carefully and so we invited some outside uveitis specialists as well to look through the imaging and confirm that uh, what we are calling retinal vasculitis was indeed that for those of us using intravitreal biologics the concept of inflammation intraocular inflammation and even retinal vasculitis and retinal occlusive vasculitis wasn't new but it was surprising initially for this drug is that correct that is correct yeah it was not the reason it was surprising is it was not seen in the clinical trials for this drug or other complement inhibit inhibitor drugs um and you know, we've been studying these kinds of drugs for several years and haven't seen um, these types of cases in the clinical trials. It always seems interesting to me when we when we see complications that we haven't seen in a well-designed, well-controlled clinical trial. Um, how do you think of those episodes in real-world use? I think there's a number of factors uh, or reasons why we see these kinds of events. Um, first of all, they're very rare uh, or, or rare enough where we're not necessarily going to pick them up in clinical trials. And the second reason is um, because uh, we're using these drugs in patients who wouldn't necessarily fit into the categories of the clinical trials. And so there may be additional risk factors. For example, a patient may have had a history of uveitis 
uh, where they might have been excluded from a trial, but um, end up having this type of reaction. Andre, I think one of the things that was striking was in the 14 eyes that were reported, this occurred after the first injection in all cases. Was that correct? That is correct. Of all the cases that were confirmed to be retinal vasculitis by our um, outside imaging experts, uh, they all happen with, uh, after the first hexetacopline injection. And, and really, in a way, this was a first-in-class FDA-approved molecule for, for this condition. So we really didn't have, other than clinical trial data, much experience to base our use on it. Is that how you looked at this also? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot that we're still learning about with these drugs. Um, because they're first-in-class drugs, we are still learning how to uh, counsel our patients about them about the risk profile, you know, even before this came out, there are a number of additional risks that were different than in anti-VEGF drugs, which is what we're used to counseling our patients about. And, um, you know, this is another additional uh, new effect that uh, we're just now learning about. So at the ASRS annual meeting, when this when there was a panel discussion about treatment of of GA, there was a lot of controversy about real extremes. Some some of the doctors felt really comfortable using this um, drug on a regular basis, and some people felt very strongly that that this drug should should be observed before use. How do you put this um, report into the clinical spectrum of use? I think there's two big differences between these drugs or with dry AMD and wet AMD drugs. Um, one difference is that in wet AMD drugs, you're looking for vision improvement and also the patients are presenting with a dramatic vision decrease. So they're very frightened about that. And um, we know our drugs can lead to significant vision improvement. And a big difference with this drug is that we're looking to maintain vision. Um, so it's a you know, we're not necessarily going to be seeing dramatic effects of the positive effects of the drug. So that's the first difference. And then the second difference is that there, like I was saying, there's these additional risks involved. Um, so the counseling for patients is much different um, with GA drugs. And I think the process of counseling is it's a much longer process for GA patients, whereas with wet AMD, we're often treating right away right. at the first visit. Yeah, and it, in, you know, I look at this and I, and I think that these um, novel complications are, are, are really such that the patient discussion is, is very different. Um, I have patients that are unhappy receiving an anti-VEGF every time, even when I can show them the benefit on the OCT and they can see some improvement in their visual acuity. So it's going to be, to me, interesting how we have this discussion with patients and how we get them um, involved. So there were two ways to deliver this drug that were looked at in the study. One was every month and one was every other month. Um, and that used to be the big discussion point because one of the complications, which was the ischemic optic neuropathy, really seemed to be more common in the monthly injection and not so common in the every other month injection. But the benefit in slowing the progression of the GA seemed to be so much better 
in monthly versus every month. So how do you put all that together um, in your in your thoughts about how you use this drug? It seems like from the every other month arm, there's still a benefit. And um, in general, the risk profile seems better in that group. So I think for myself and probably for a lot of other physicians, um, we're or I tend to lean towards maybe the every other month treatment approach just to minimize the potential side effects um, while still maintaining some kind of benefit from the drug. And one of the things that was unique about this paper, because it came out from the REST committee, um, was how much um, work went into the evaluation of, of the cases in the manuscript. I think much more aggressive than, than many of our publications. So I think that going outside of the committee itself to experts that were in the ASRS, but not on the REST committee, that was relatively a novel approach to this. Um, what are your thoughts about that for your committee and potentially for other committees? I think that the these kinds of adverse effects of novel drugs is something that's kind of new, actually, um, before we had even before BioView, really, we didn't really talk that much about um, retinal vasculitis uh, as a side effect of uh, drugs. And now we're getting all these new drugs and now we're seeing these kinds of effects with a number of different drugs. And so it's really going to be much more important to uh, very carefully um, sort of weed out uh, what's true a true adverse effect of the drug versus maybe um, a different kind of finding. I think we, we still have to work on defining um, these adverse events. Um, uh, for example, retinal vasculitis is something that people debate what that really means um, or how to uh, determine what type of eye has retinal vascular occlusion and what doesn't. Um, and I think going forward, it's going to be really important to um, much better characterize these kinds of adverse events. And and so one of the things I thought was surprising too was how severe the vision compromise and, and the ocular functional compromise could be in some of these eyes. Um, I believe two of these eyes went on to be enucleated. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. One of the, this is the most striking feature of uh, this rare, but uh, potentially devastating problem is that it can be so bad. And, um, you know, you're starting with someone who has um, limited central vision, but then going, bringing them to complete blindness in that eye. Certainly, if, if you imagine that type of problem happening in a bilaterally, it can really be truly horrible. Um, and in fact, we had one case um, where they had a, a severe outcome in both eyes. Um, and that's reported in the in uh, in detail on the uh, article. And then going back to the patients presenting, I thought it was interesting. Again, as we said, after one injection, and typically between one and three weeks after the injection itself, correct? Not a, not an immediate event like we often see with some of the other inflammatory conditions. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. There's a delayed uh, presentation of these patients. It, um, all of them presented within one month of the injection. And so one of the things we think is important is 
uh, you, if you're going to treat someone bilaterally, it's a good idea to wait for at least a month before considering treating the other eye. Yeah, I think that's an excellent clinical pearl is, is not to treat both eyes at the first setting of injection because of this potential concern. And I do think that staggering them by a month is, is a reasonable approach. Now, are you thinking once you start treating and there's not an issue after the first injection, do we, do we feel that that means that that drug will not have a complication related to vasculitis or is it that we really just don't have enough experience yet to know? I think it's hard to definitively say that that's always gonna be the case. Um, it is currently true that all of these cases we've seen so far happen after the first injection, but um, we can't necessarily say that it's not possible for it to happen after a later injection. Um, so I think it's still something that people should be um, looking for. Even after the first and second injection, you still want to look at the eye for inflammation before retreating. I think the idea for every intravitreal injection of, of a biologic is look at the eye before you inject to assure that there's no active inflammation. I think that's kind of a game changer for every one of the biologics we inject. But I also think that, you know, we need, we need more information going forward and you've suggested that. But I really want to compliment you and, and the rest committee and acknowledge Peter Kaiser, who of course was chair through some of the earlier experience with this for how well you represented our society and our members. Um, so I'd like to thank you for speaking with us today and remind everyone that your manuscript is published in January, February issue of JVRD. Um, and it does have the opportunity for some good detail related to each of the cases um, in a lot more concrete um, presentation. So Dr. Whitkin, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thanks really much. I really appreciate your time. And one additional thing I want to mention is this is still an ongoing story. And um, if there's additional cases that are coming out in people's practice, please um, go onto the ASRS website and report to um, that under the adverse event tab, um, because we're still continuing to learn about this disease. Excellent point. Excellent comment. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the JVRD Authors Forum. You can watch and listen to more episodes on the ASRS YouTube channel and on popular podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Visit www.asrs.org forward slash JVRD Forum on the ASRS website to learn more. See you soon.